0: I want to talk to you about us winning. Everybody say, we win. win. Amen. We're not with the losers, we're with the winners. And if today you're a loser, you're on the wrong side, you can come on with us and be a winner. Amen. There's, you know, there's no respect in the world if you have a team that's losing and you switch from that team that's losing to the team that's winning. Nobody respects that. They're like, man, you're just a bandwagon fan. Anybody ever heard that before? But here in, in, in the religious sphere, we want you to switch teams. We want you to come from where you are to where we are today because we once used to be right where you are. We once used to be on the losing team. Now we're on the winning team. Amen. Amen, I just want to do a couple housekeeping things before we get into the Word, but hold your place there in Daniel chapter 7, we'll be starting in verse 13 for the sermon, We Win. The first thing that I wanted to do, uh, just let just led on my own, no uh, deacon had to say this to me or usher, but I do want to say sorry that uh, quite often we're late coming into second service, so please forgive us, be patient with us, especially me, I'm saying us, but it's really me. You know me as a preacher, it's hard for me to slow it down, even though I can and I will do better, so I I just want to apologize. I don't uh, take your attendance here lightly or your time. And any time you do come, you're always welcome to join us at the uh, end of that service. You're never disrupting, but sometimes they'll keep you out there because it may cause a disruption if you're coming in and out, but uh, we'll allow them to let you sit down and join us. Also want to share with you that the outreach that's coming up for Lollapalooza, we've given you almost, I believe, close to 100 days of, of ramp time to get there and to be there with us. And if you don't come and you could have come, I just want to let you know I personally am upset with you and disappointed, and you need to be rebuked. (laughs) And I know that sounds kind of funny because of the way I just said it, but I actually mean it. I really do. I really mean it, and I've lost people in our church because of these talks, uh, so it's nothing new. It's, it's always funny to me. Let me just um, kind of drift into other subjects from this subject because there's so many uh, hot topics to touch on here as we as a church. Uh, sometimes people get offended, and then they get offended that others are getting offended in all of these things. Please just get offended now and leave because I will offend you at some point by these things, okay? So if you are easily offended, just get offended over this offense right now, right here. This is your time. This is your time to get offended because you—if you're not okay with a pastor that rebukes and corrects, you're in the wrong kind of church. Uh, there's a few things here that I just want you to understand. Big picture, I am self-aware. Okay. There are churches where you come to the service, and they are planned out, and they are very structured. That is not the style that this church is. So on a very general level, very general and broad, we are a spontaneous church. How many have noticed that we're pretty spontaneous? Now, there there is a a general order that happens. You'll see, like, the beginning, some songs being sung. You'll see time for spiritual gifts. You'll see announcements, offering, word, and then prayer at the end. I mean, yes, there, there is a general order. Or it's not total chaos when you come in here. But in between all of that, there is definitely spontaneity. Songs can change. Worship leaders can change up things. Sometimes I'm sure when you guys have come from second service, uh, coming, coming in after first service, you've noticed the worship band's already up here. Maybe Des is singing the same line over and over and over again. God is doing something there. Okay, so, so it can be spontaneous. Same thing with what happens in, in the words. Sometimes uh, something will happen and it'll be very somber, quietness, repentance, uh, tears. Other times it could be rejoicing and dancing. Everybody say spontaneity. Amen. Spontaneity, spontaneous, is a part of of what we do. Now, that also goes into how I preach. So this is just a family moment. Just, you know, enjoy it. Just relax. Family moments here. Um, Also, how I preach, very spontaneous. There is no notes that the brothers have, and all that I have is just a few scriptures here. Okay? So you may go to a church, and this is not to speak ill of those who do it differently. Please never put me in the category of saying this is the only way or that our way is the best. I'm just saying this is our way. Everybody say our way. It's just our way of doing things. There's a culture. There's a community here. There's a family here. You're a part of it, okay? So just a family talk. Well, when I preach, I not only preach what I have here, like in these uh, kind of notes, but I also preach to the issues of our church. So if you don't want your stuff talked about, then don't bring up stuff, amen? Now, this is just the church. Now, thank God I don't name names. If, If I do, it's pretty serious, but I have no problem doing that as well. Now, I just want to explain this to you. In our scriptures, they're always naming names. There's always conflict. There's always problems going on. Have you ever read the epistles before? You know, have you seen the issues going on in the church? Some people are causing issues of false doctrine. Some are having attitudes. The Bible says in one of the letters, tell these two ladies to get along and then he names their names, okay? And and so it's, it's, some people find that messy. That You know, you wanna come, you want everything to be uh, structured, you want the pastor to come, you want him just to more like public speak to you a message and then that, that, that to be very organized and that way that's not how we do it, okay? So now back to this moment back to this moment. Everyone, please hear this. And if this offends you, you need to uh, find a different church that's not going to offend you in this way. I really want you to hear me on this. I'm not trying to kick you. I don't want you to leave. I'm just saying this to you. We value what we're going to do Thursday, Friday, Saturday. This is the kind of church we are. And if you don't come, I take it personal. I'm not saying if you couldn't get off and you tried. Some of you, you tried and you could not get off work, and that's just the way life is. We're okay with this. And just to show you that I'm not a narcissist, which I get accused of quite a bit, and it's not an old, uh, a new accusation. It's an old accusation, okay? So the devil tries the same tricks. But listen to me. I take it personal because this is all that I'm about. As a pastor, it's not just business for me. I love you, and I love this city. I have to go out and reach them. We as a church, we can't stay here, and then when we organize ourselves, we set up so many different things to do all throughout the week. You can't go to every life group and every outreach. I think just this week alone, because of the three extra ones, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that's a total of nine this week, right, Brother Rudy? A total of nine, and so we don't expect you to go to everything. We, we actually applaud you for doing well in your life and doing great on the job and having family responsibilities. We are thankful. Uh, for the time that you sacrifice. I hope that you feel that no time is wasted when you're with us, that, that even if we're fellowshipping, we're making the most of every opportunity. Can I hear an amen? We don't want you to be wait, your time to be wasted here. But at the same time, as a pastor who has been doing this over 20 years, and I still have my mind, praise the Lord, I'm not on anxiety medication or depression or needing a three-month sabbatical every summer, as some people do, I just have to tell you, I take it personal because then I wonder what kind of relationship do we have as a church so let me just get through this real quick, and then we'll get to the service, uh, the sermon we win. Amen? Amen. Okay, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 11. Why do pastors do what I do? I'm not saying for anybody else. I'm just saying, why do I do what I do? Why do I put this kind of commitment upon our church? Why do I want you to do it? Now, listen, if you say, well, do you want me to only do it for you? No, of course not. Don't do something just to make me happy. That's, that's not the point. When you're teaching your children and you say to them, this disappoints me or this makes me proud, are you wanting them to do those things just because it makes you proud or not to do it because it disappoints you? No. It's, it's a result of it. You want them to do the right thing because it's what? The right thing. Come on, somebody. But how many know when people do the right thing, it makes you proud? As a parent and, and as a, on your job, how many get proud on your job? how many take some pride in what you do we 're not talking about the pride of sin we 're we're talking about something that um, you boast over people with we 're talking about something that you find accomplishment in okay uh, and Nancy, would you help him back there today, please thank you First Corinthians chapter eleven verse one Are you there, my brother? Yeah. You know, are there read, read it out? Would you come here for me, please and read it out? I know you can sing, but boy, you can preach too. That time, would you come up here and just, would you read that verse? Praise God. Come on, man. Of God. It says, uh, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Amen. Thank you, preacher. Amen. Amen. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So at some point, you need to follow, follow a pastor's example. Now, I don't uh, look to you to give me validation. That's what narcissists do. Narcissists need you to validate them. I'm the exact opposite. Some people who think pastors are narcissists, I agree. You think I'm one, I totally disagree. Something a narcissist would say, by the way. But here, here, here's the reason. Here's the reason. I don't care whether or not you come in one way because I will go out without you. What I am saying I care about you coming in is that if you consider me your pastor, if I'm not your pastor, I don't want you to stick around. You see, a narcissist wants people to stick around whether there's genuine affection or not. People in the ministry do that because of their conferences, their books. So whether you really agree with them, they're not so concerned with. What they're concerned with is you following them. That is not my concern. My concern is not bodies and pews. My concern is not building numbers and nickels and noses. My concern is, are you following my example, watch this, as I'm following the example of Christ? Because here's the boast of Metro Praise. Here is the boast. Like Paul said, we boast in the Lord, and then he rattled off these things. Here's the boast of Metro Praise. We are all disciples who make disciples. That is what we do here. That is what we do. And so when people come from other churches and they say, well, we weren't, you know, taught this in our church. Or, you know, if I didn't go witnessing in my church, you know, it, it wasn't a big deal. That is why you should have stayed there if you wanted to be that. Because here everybody's required, if they want to be a part of this church, we don't do the membership, we do the discipleship. Now, if once again, this is where I'm I'm telling you because I study narcissism and I study psychological disorders. I am telling you, for me, if you are not here tomorrow or Thursday and you don't come back, that does not make me feel insecure as a leader. I just am happy that I now know who's following me as I'm following Christ. What I don't want is there to be any confusion about what we're about here. What we are about is living for Jesus, loving God, loving people. And when we set aside time in our calendar and give you 90 days to go and to talk to your job, and to be responsible, we are expecting it to happen. And if it doesn't happen, we as leaders feel humiliated and embarrassed. Now, you might never have heard a pastor talk like that, but then he'll talk like that behind your back. I've heard people talk like that in ministry to the point where it disgusts me, and I say, well, do you ever tell the church that? And they say, no, I couldn't. And then you'll hear pastors say, I don't have anybody to tell my problems to who pastor is the pastor. I thank God I don't live like that. Everything I am saying to you is honest and after this I'm going to go out for milkshakes and have a wonderful time and also another thing that I want you to be very clear on, I don't want anyone discussing this with me afterwards because I really don't want you to come to me and go, well I tried everything and pastor, no, you know, that's not what I'm looking for I'm not looking for you to explain to me why you couldn't come Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. If that's something on your conscience and you want the church to know, like Pastor needs to know this or somebody needs to know this, then just write it out on Facebook or send it to Lauren at info at mpichurch.org. But th- that's not my heart. If I see you not here and I see you the next Sunday and you still love Jesus, I'm going to assume you did everything you possibly could to get here, or you are spiritually stupid. Do you understand what I just said? Because I don't want a church that does not do evangelism. I do not want a church that comes Sunday but doesn't come Thursday. There is no other way I can explain that to you. So you can say, Pastor, he told me not to come back or I'm stupid. I'm not coming back. Thank you. Thank you for saving the time, making more chairs available because you know we're running out because that's what we do. Now, does that mean I don't love you? Absolutely not. Turn with me quickly to uh, the 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, 4, verse 18. It actually means I love you. If you're a parent of a child and you don't have talks with them, let me just look at every parent, and you don't have talks with them like this, you are doing them a great disservice because parents, you have to be honest with your children. Do you know why some parents do not have well-behaved children? Because they haven't told their children yet. your behavior sucks and I don't like being with you, nor does anybody else with half a brain. And they let their children run crazy and wild. And they say, let children just be children. And I do not do that with children. I tell them, I do not like being with you like that, and nor will anybody with half a brain. You're going to find the wrong friends that affirm that attitude. Do you understand? Because as young people growing up, they need to hear it from you, parents, what it means to be presentable, delightful, and wholesome in someone you want to be with. I tell my children when I do not want to be with them, not just out of exhaustion, though that has happened a few times, but I tell them out of sincerity to teach them. I mean this, and I say to them, you are not worth being around with that attitude. You are bringing people down, and you do not deserve to do that. Jesus said, do not give what is sacred to dogs and to pigs. That is in the same context of judge not lest you be judged. He then goes on to say, do not give these things to dogs and pigs. Do not waste your time with people that have attitudes that do not respond to you well and affirm you. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And the Bible says that me and my house will serve the Lord. When my responsibility is done with my children, if they do not want to serve the Lord, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you. If Jesus can have heaven without some of his creation, a.k.a. his children, I'll have heaven without mine. If Jesus can have heaven without Judas, I'll have heaven without the Judas in my life. Okay? You better get real with some children. You better tell them the truth. And I'm being real with the church. Look at what it says here. And by the way, good day. Good day. Everything's good in my life. Everything's good. Just, just wanted to let you know. It's just it's a family talk. I know I talk intense. I come from an Italian family, and I'm Polish, and I repeat myself. So it's loud repetition. Welcome to this church. Right? But I just want to let you know, there's actually not like a big problem. Is everybody leaving? No, the church is growing. But I just wanted to let you know, when it comes to outreaches and your life group leaders getting in your life, I just want you to know, they're going to ask you why you you weren't there. And some people get offended by that. And I'm telling you, we're all offended that you're not there. So just right now, just save us the time. Tell the life group leader, I'm leaving Metro Praise. Don't ask me where I was at. Because we're going to ask you where you were at Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Now, some people call us, let's get off the narcissism thing. I'll get to this in just a moment. They use the term cult, which is so funny. One of my degrees is studying other religions. I write on cults. There's a book on Islam there. And so people love to go to these psychological profiles of a cult, and then they tag them to our church. They say, oh, Metro Praise is loving. That's love bombing. Metro Praise has standards. Look, they manipulate. Metro Praise has a pastor that's a strong leader. There's your cult leader. I mean, you could say everything is a cult about every other movement, when you try to make those things fit. Jesus was a cult leader, right? Did Jesus love people? Did Jesus have a standard? Does everybody get it? If everything's a cult, then nothing's a cult. What is a cult? A cult, by definition, has either a false doctrine or a false practice, and sometimes both. Mormonism has false doctrines, false practices. You can also be in spiritually abusive cults that have good doctrine. In other words, they believe the Trinity, Jesus is Lord, but yet they spiritually abuse you. That can be a cult-like religion or group to be a part of. Sometimes people try to put us into that category. Once again, it does not uh, come to bear because, listen to me, I am not hunting you down. I am not trying to force you to do this. Does everybody understand that? One time they asked a pastor, they saw him at the train stop every day but never got on the train. They said, Pastor, is everything okay? Why are you here all the time? You never get on the train. He said, I sit here just to watch something move that I don't push. Did you get the pastor joke? They asked him, why do you sit by the train every day and you don't get on it? He said, I sit here to watch something move, to watch it move that I don't push. I do not push anybody here. No one, don't ever say I pushed you to do it. I don't. I'm the exact opposite. Now, if we do other things in life that are fun, I might push you to rock climb. I might push you to do an adventure course, you know, on one of those things. I just got to make sure I clarify everything. Well, Pastor you told me to jump off the high dive, okay? Yes, I may do something like that. But no one here, everybody knows this. Don't be intimidated by the man with the mic. It's just a room full of people. You have your rights, your freedoms. You have the Bible just like me. So please hear me when I say this. I am not pushing you to do one thing. Please don't. Don't. But those who call themselves part of Metro Praise and don't do things that Metro Praise does hurts us. And then when you get hurt by us getting hurt and you get offended and you leave, we're saying you can leave now. Do you understand? I'm not pushing you. I'm not forcing you. But I want when we say, Metro Praise, what is your occupation? I want to know we have Spartans here. That's it. That's all that I ask. If you're here, this is what we do. That's it. If you're here, this is what we do. See, Nazi Germany had a cult. You couldn't leave, right? You couldn't leave Nazi Germany's cult if you didn't want to do what the Fuhrer was doing. The Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormons, if you leave, then they disfellowship you and tell everybody not to hang out with you. The only time our church has ever used disfellowship is when people leave, try to get other people to leave, spread lies and don't want to resolve it. That's the only time we follow disfellowship, which is a real part of our church. Happened only a few a handful of times. The rest of the time, you can leave and say whatever you want about us. Have your opinion. We don't like that. We don't like that. We don't like you. You might even get a free therapy dog when you go to another church and said, you came from here. Do you understand? Oh my goodness, Odito, you came from Metro Praise International. We've heard so much about you. Hey Mike, go get the therapy dog. Here's your therapy dog now. We call your therapy dog grace because I heard over there they gave you no grace. All they did was manipulate and, and give you legalistic laws. You mean like deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus? Like go into all the world and make disciples of all nations? Let the dead bury the dead, but you go preach the gospel. He who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and these things shall, shall be added unto you. You I mean, those are the things we taught you. Those are the things that we taught that's, that, you. That's why we're here. So when I show up Thursday, I don't want to be ashamed. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want a tear to come down my eye and say, why don't they get it? Why aren't they following me as I'm following Christ to the battle? I'm not asking you to follow me to my anniversary and sow a $50 seed. I'm not asking you to come to the conference and give $100. To hell with all of that. I'm asking you, do you want to win souls for the kingdom of God? Do you want to let this city know that Jesus Christ is Lord? That's all that I'm asking. That's what I'm asking. Has I, have I taught you something improper? Has someone touched you in a naughty place? Has someone stolen your money? Then let that be brought out. Let that be your offense but let not your offense be the gospel and the preaching of it because otherwise we're on two separate pages. Paul wrote here, some of you have become arrogant as if I were not coming to you, but I will come to you very soon if the Lord wills, and then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God, it's not a matter of talk, but of what power, thank you. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline or shall I come to you in love with a gentle spirit? Some of y'all got to make that choice. What do you want to see Thursday? Do you want to see a church that's embarrassed that we didn't show up for an outreach, or do you want to see a church that shouts and gives the glory to God as a mighty army and then go out there and preaches the gospel? We as a church do very, very well by God's grace not to burden you with things that are mandatory. Why? Because we don't want religion to become a burden to you. But there are things that become mandatory in our Christian life, don't they? Doesn't God mandate us to live holy? Doesn't he mandate us to preach the gospel? Well, let me ask you a question. This whole past year, 365 days, from this point to that point, how many times have I said, this is an all-church event, everyone come out, let's all do it together. This is our only time. We said do it for Boricua Fest and do it for, uh, you know, Palooza. That was it. And then uh, I mean uh, Boricua Fest, they switched the dates on us. Man, got to feel sorry for the the Boricuas, man. They did them wrong. You know what I'm saying? Now we don't know what's going on over there, but I love the Boricuas. How many love Puerto Rican fest, Boricua fest? And so, my friends, I love you so much. Let me just show you this scripture right here quickly. Go to uh, Romans chapter uh, 14, verse 4. See, I don't want to be ashamed of you. I don't want my trust in you to be let down. I hope in you to do the right thing. And then as a pastor, you can now hear my heart. Because from this point on, it'd be like, oh, well, pastor thought this, and pastor thought that, and pastor... Well, now you heard it from pastor. Pastor doesn't like when we don't show up to outreaches. Amen? Can I hear an amen? I mean, if you want... A- I don't want to keep saying this because I love you all so much, and I have a lot of amens, and I know you guys are my friends, and we're cool. But I really just want to say this. Everybody understands that there's pastors that do things differently, right? I gave this example in the first service. When Pastor Christian and I got together with the Romanian church... They are a very traditional Pentecostal church. The women wear skirts and dresses at all times. The men wear suits. And one of the advices that he gave me while we were going on the news is he said, Brother, maybe consider stop waving the flags and preaching all the time to the news people because you guys look crazy. That's what he told me. But you know what? I didn't take any offense to it because I knew he was coming from a good place. Now, Romano Rosa, I'm looking at her, maybe a little offense. No, I'm kidding. Uh, But you know what? I knew his heart. You know what his heart was? His heart was, we don't do things this way. This is how we do it. But I told him, I said, brother, we've been preaching and waving flags a long, long time before this. We'll keep preaching them now, uh, preaching and waving them now, especially with the news teams here. But listen, if I was called, everybody say called. Thank you. If I was called to pastor Christian's church, would I dress casually on Sunday, wave banners, and then do that kind of thing? No. I would do what they do, out of honor. The Bible teaches us that. To the Roman, be a Roman. To the Jew, be a Jew. You know, these things are for them to be saved. Be all things to all people so that some might be saved. So this is where I say to you, and I mean this in all sincerity. Sometimes people hear me talk like this, and they're like, man, he's mad and angry. No, I actually love you, but if you think about it, I love you so much, I'm okay to say goodbye. Goodbye. The reason is, is because the gospel here looks like something. At Metro Praise International, can you put up at the abortion clinic, please, yesterday, my live feed. What it looks like is your pastor standing in front of the abortion clinic. If you're ashamed of that, you need to go to another church where the pastor doesn't do that. And as a matter of fact, you can even see under that live feed a sister who used to go go to this church and got offended probably about something and stopped coming. Well, I don't know why she stopped coming. I shouldn't say that, but generally it's because somebody got offended. But she can tell us why she stopped coming. She said, oh, I stopped going to my church because since Roe v. Wade, they no longer they have no longer talked about anything. They haven't promoted it. It's It's like Roe v. Wade happened and there's no celebration. She said, I don't feel right about it. I feel like coming back. And I'm like, well, come back then right? So some people are looking for a church like that. Others, they're running away from a church like that, right? Uh, another uh, brother, he comes to our first service. His um, baby mama, we'll call it, we'll call her that, uh, the mother of his child saw us doing that and said, oh, if that's where you're taking my son, you can't take my son. And it caused a big issue, but thank God he stayed in the church, amen? So some people are running from churches like that. Others are running to churches like that. What are you doing? See, a lot of people in the Christian zoo of who's who are okay. Excuse me, can you help him again? He's, he's having a hard time connecting with me. I need him to get what I put up as the live feed. Thank you. When I was out there, there were people ashamed of a pastor like me. Then there's others who are proud of a pastor like me. You don't have to tell me right now, but I'm just asking you, which one are you? Are you proud of a pastor like me or are you ashamed of a pastor like me? Because here's the deal. I'm not ashamed of you. Right? And so it's not about just following a pastor, but I'm just giving you the example. Paul said it. Follow me as I follow Christ. Some people are arrogant. They don't think I'm coming to set this thing in order, and I'll come with a whip if I have to, or I'll come in gentleness. What one you all want? Go ahead and make that big screen, please. Preaching while I'm preaching. Welcome to the wonderful world of technology. Preaching while I'm preaching. Make that full screen. There's a button right here that has full screen. Thank you. Now, this gentleman wanted to stand about six inches from my face while I was preaching. But are you ashamed of that? <laughs> see, see, some people are ashamed of that. Some people think that with my degree, with whatever I've accomplished in life, with you pleasant and wonderful people here, that we shouldn't have done something like that, that I shouldn't put myself in this position. Put up the volume just a little bit, please, so they can hear. I'm not shouting. Listen to me talking. Listen to me talking here. I would see this end, and it's amazing. You guys are losing. Come on the winning side. Sounds come familiar. On the side of life. Let's work it. Am I irrational? Let's come up with solutions. Am I foaming at the murder mouth? Murder is not a good solution. No, just talking to them. But that. they'll get irrational Let's very quickly. They'll, they'll the get there. Thank, Thank you. You we'll can turn that down off. for me, good sir. Thank you. Going back to the scripture, please, quickly. Go to, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 4. There are moments in our church that are opportunities for us to grow and go to another level. I could have retreats be those moments. We could have conferences be those moments. We could have extended services be those moments. But the pattern of our church has been at outreaches. Can I just take you there for 30 more seconds, or maybe it's a little bit longer? I met my wife at an outreach. I have been called to ministry through outreaches, okay? I have been dialed into the call that I have through preaching on the streets. My heroes have done these kinds of things. So there's, there's such a connection here that to expect it to change would be irrational. It's better for us to part than for us to expect this to change because it wouldn't be rational. Is everybody tracking with me? But what do I think it will do for you when you prioritize these things? It makes a pastor happy. Yes, but you're not doing it to make a pastor happy. What do I think it does for you? What I think it does for you is bring you closer to God and help you get over yourself. Most of you want to get closer to God and get over yourself. That's what I want. How many want to get closer to God and get over yourself? How many want to have better relationships with people around them? How many want to have a blessing upon their life? Well, this is the ticket. If Jesus wanted us to see the source as something else, then why is it the first thing he says to Peter is, come, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men? If the source of our change and transformation and the way God was going to draw us closer to himself was another way other than outside, outward ministry, then why didn't he start off the disciples that way? Come, follow me, and I'm going to take you through intensive soul care. Come follow me and I'm going to give you inner healing. Come follow me and I'm going to give you 10 weeks of leadership lessons. Come follow me and I'm going to help you discover the real you. No, what does he do? Come follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. What was Jesus doing at that moment? He was setting the pace for what was going to happen in their relationship with God, through him, obviously, and their relationship to themselves and others. And, and, and in other words, he was going to teach them how to love God and love people through actually loving God and loving people. Loving God and loving people is seen most and predominantly in the ministry, and everybody is called to it. We are called to be servants of all. Everyone is called to make disciples. Now ask yourself this, why is it most churches don't do it? Why is it there's only a few churches that even go out and preach the gospel? When Jesus said that was his number one method, that was his way of doing it, why would we now want to change it? Before I go here, can we please go to Luke, 9, uh, Luke 10, 1, please? Just uh, open up another tab. Thank you. If Jesus wanted another way, why didn't he give it to me? And if I'm prospering in this way, why should I feel bad? Can I get an amen from somebody? Yes. Come on, I, I have had people say this to me. You are great, Joe, as a pastor because I 've gone to cemetery, I mean seminary, and I've had a lot of fellow pastors say this to me. Your church, wow, I mean looking at it. Some have even visited. Professors have even come. My professors, when I was getting my doctorate, came here, and they would say things, and they didn't intentionally mean them to be offhanded, but They came a little bit offhanded. In other words, they would say, you guys are so great at evangelism. I just wish other churches would do that. You guys are so great at that. As if, as if, listen to me, I was terrible at buildings because we're in a storefront. Do you get it? See, the idea is pat, pat, pat on the head. You guys, (laughs) you guys, you guys, you guys are good at evangelism. But then you could also see them go over to the next pastor in the group. You know, we're going to find compliments here. So you guys, you guys are good at evangelism. And then you guys are great at kingdom expansion and building buildings. And and then, and then you guys, you're good at, uh, you know, writing books and televangelism evangelism or whatever. Like, like as if... This is kind of like what I do because we're smaller and we don't have what the big boys have and I just have more time on my hands and and that's kind of your personality. Let me ask you a question. How can you be good according to God at anything else if you're not good at loving him and loving others? And if you're not good at loving him and loving others in the context of ministry, then how in the world are you doing it? Will I do it at home? Will I do it with my four and no more? Is that what he raised his disciples to do? Do you see extensive teachings on fatherhood? Right now, give me the teachings on Jesus, uh, from Jesus on fatherhood. You have to extract it out of certain lessons that he gave. You being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more so does your father in heaven know how to give good gifts to you? You have to extract it out of a rebuke, Right? Then you have to extract it out of heavenly father. Be perfect as your heavenly father's perfect. Okay, you got some of that there. Yeah, but give me the 10 10 ways to be a great dad. Give me the 10 ways to be a great mom. Tell me where he even mentions motherhood. Tell me where he talks about just motherhood in general. Mothers need to be this, mothers that. Well, I know there's Proverbs 31. I know there's other scriptures, but I'm saying Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. While he's here making disciples, why doesn't he start with 10 lessons to be a dad, 10 lessons to be a mom, 20 lessons to a happy marriage, five lessons on how to prosper on your job? Why why doesn't he do that? Why does he start this? with chapter 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about ready to go. And he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, everybody say go. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or a sandals. That might even apply here, ladies, some of those things. Watch out with your purse, okay? And do not even greet anybody on the road. And meaning when you're going on your mission trip, you don't stop till you get there. And then he kept telling them how to do it. Why is that his training ground? I believe Peter became a a better husband and father out of that. I believe as he went, he learned more about how to be a husband. I believe he learned more about being a father than any conference could ever give him. Why? Because he understood that the harvest... Is about selflessness and that God loves us enough to help us and to get out there and change our lives. And, and, and when you learn about love and harvest and work and servanthood, you're going to bring that home. You know why? Because if I go out to win a soul, why would I want to lose the soul called my daughter, Bethany? Right? Come on, if I actually knew the value of a soul, Will, because he just became a new father, if I, if I understand the value every day going out there to win a soul, how am I going to look at my child and not care about them? And if I understand the idea of serving out here a sinner who's filthy and wicked, like that man who could stand in front of me and give me the crazy googly eyes, if I could love that man even beyond his sin, how could I be bitter towards my wife and not love uh, those who even sin against me in my own family? See, I'll learn forgiveness, I'll learn grace, I'll learn mercy, I'll learn compassion when I do outreach. I was in my neighborhood the other day and I saw uh, the Baptists out there with their skirts on and their bus preparing people for the Sunday today that they would pick them up. And God is my witness, baby boo. I not only saw the bus yesterday getting the kids ready or the families ready, I saw the bus today driving on the highway here. Praise God. I believe the Lord let me see that. You know why? Because we're not the only soul winning church. Soul winning has been a part of the church ever since the church has been around. Amen. Now going back to that passage quickly, please. In 2 Corinthians 9, 4, this is just the verbiage that I want everybody to know. Paul's speaking here. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you what? Unprepared. So if any of the guest speakers I've brought to this event come with me and find you what? unprepared, we will not be able to, and and, and not counting what you'll say about yourself, would be ashamed of having been so confident. Listen, if I find you unprepared not to say anything about you, this is a harder translation to to understand the NIV. What it's really saying is, uh, if I find you unprepared, not only will you have something to say about that, because you'll be embarrassed, but we will be embarrassed or ashamed of having been so confident of you. You can read it a little bit better in the ESV. It helps you understand what he's saying Thereby, not to say anything about you. Just put it there in the ESV, please. I believe that was a better translation. For 2 Corinthians 9.4. And I don't say this because I want to look hype in front of the guest speakers. I'm just saying we have guest speakers coming down to, to, to preach to you Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and to uh, impart to you and to give you the courage that you need so that you can be equipped to do these things. My heart for us as a church, I believe, is the heart of God. I weep for the lost. Do you ever weep? Nancy, can you help them back there, please? Do you ever weep for the lost? Anybody here ever weep, weep for the lost? Does anybody ever here look at the world and see all the trouble that's in the world? Does anybody ever see all the trouble in the world? And you're just grieved. You look at everything going on and you go, God, do something. This is when we do something. And I know next year and the next year and the next year, uh, people are going to come and go from this church. It's just the way things go. But those who stick around from one year to the next year to the next year, you're going to testify to this. And how many have already been here from one year to the next year? You've been here three or four years, five years, and you've seen what I'm talking about already. Listen to this. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you being so confident. The idea is the humiliation will be real, but I don't want there to be humiliation. This is why he said, I, I thought it necessary to go on ahead of you to make an arrangement. And you know what? This is actually about, it's about an offering. He's like, man, if, you, if I show up with these guys and y'all don't give anything, we're going to be embarrassed of you. Now, I know this is like the, the proof text for every televangelist to make a lot of money selling you holy water, But even then, you could see where Paul is coming from. Paul's like, hey, I've told them, you're you're givers, and you're going to help us and make sure that we have enough hay to feed the horses to go to the next place. But if y'all don't do that, we're going to be embarrassed, you know? Now, if Paul could use that as a motivation to give, don't you think I can use this as a motivation for us to go preach? Come on, somebody. If Paul was saying, I don't want to be ashamed of the offering you give, I don't want to be ashamed of the time you give to this. And let me just say this. We've been a blessed church all these years with people coming out. Uh, when Bodiqua Fest, they flipped the dates, you guys came out powerfully. Can you put up the picture for the Bodiqua Fest uh, that just passed? I was so proud of you. I really was. I, You know, by the way, you don't do it for me to be proud or not do it because I'm going to be sad, but it feels good. How many parents feel good when your par- when your children do something good? It felt good. How many on the job feel good when another adult does something good? Because I don't want to make you all feel like I think you're children. But I'm just saying, like, when you do something on your job and you're a boss and they do it with you, the employees, doesn't that feel good? Have you ever looked at the end of the day at your work with your employees and said this was a great day? Man, I, I, I'm i telling you, I love this church. And I'm so happy that we get to do all that we do. And I'm gonna we're going to applaud and get really excited here because... We were supposed to go the week after, I believe, with Boricua Fest, but they changed it the week before, and within a heartbeat, the, the text went out, guys, it's today, it's today, it's today, and I want to show you the group picture that was out there. Now, now, obviously, I'm not irrational. I'm not upset that everybody couldn't come because that wasn't the day you got off, so I know some of you got the day off for the other day. Trust me, we, we love you enough to trust you. Trust me that we trust you, Okay. But now you're going to know Thursday, Friday, this Saturday, whether or not you even talked to your boss, whether you even tried to get off, or whether you talked to the babysitter, or, or whether you tried to make an effort, because those are the things that are between you and God. I don't need to hear them, and when whoever shows up here, I'll know those are the ones that are going to go with us. And I got two buses, so that we don't even have to worry about a parking down there, and I don't want anyone meeting us out there. That's not cool. That's not cool. Do not meet us down there, please. Come here first, because we want to start as a team and end as a team. Amen? How many of you have ever started something and finished something? Some of you, I know, well, I can't get off work early and all of that. There might be exceptions for that. Talk to the leaders. But I want everyone to come together. Get on a bus together. Sing old camp songs on there. You know, Father Abraham, have any son? You know, I want us to sing some songs on the way over there. Come back. See, because we can't all go on mission trips, can we? We do have responsibilities, I get it. But we got two buses to take us out over there. We've taken this serious. We 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 want you to feel honored when you come out there. And listen, with these shirts that we got, even if you can't afford them, pick one up. We want to give it to you. The group shop, please. Group shop. Because there was a great crowd that turned out there this last day. And I was so proud of everybody. We brought out the food and everything. This is those who came? Okay, well, let's give it up for those who came. Amen. I thought there was a lot more, but amen. Thank you. All right, let's go now to Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. Somebody say, We win. Amen. amen. Thank you. I love you so much. Come talk to us later if you have further questions. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Daniel is speaking as he had a prophetic vision. And this is what he says, in my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and he was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Everybody say, we win. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you a story about a philosopher in the 1700s. I put it up on my Facebook as well. His name was Voltaire, and he was a sassy little philosopher. And what he used to do was mock Christians. And he lived in the time right before the scientific revolution really broke out. It was already starting at this time, but it hadn't gotten as popularized as it would soon become. And other theories like evolution and so forth were were going to be uh, made known. He lived from 1694 to 1778, so just as the sciences were beginning. And so when he saw this progress, he thought, this surely is going to be the end of Christianity. We're going to now discover all of the myths of the Bible. You know, God uh, never parted a Red Sea. It was just a strong wind over a creek, and they walked on the dry ground. That's all that was. And uh, Moses, uh, you know, he didn't really see an actual burning bush. He was taking some peyote, and man, that bush looks like it's on fire, dude. And that's what he was on drugs. And, and you know, the, Jesus wasn't born of a virgin. Mary just had a shady night and had to um, get Joseph to cover for, say we didn't have sex and it came from God. And so all of this was going to just be explained away. And he went as far as to begin to mock Christians. One of the things that he said that can be summarized in his life work, was a hundred years from my day, there will be no Bible on earth except one looked at by antiquarians or people studying antiques and curiosity seekers. He said a hundred years from now, there'll be no more Bible except in a museum and those who go to look at it. Somebody say God has a sense of humor. Within 50 years, his house was used by the Geneva Evangelical Society to store Bibles, and the printers that he had used to print his philosophy began to print Bibles all throughout Europe. Somebody say, We win. Regardless of Roe v. Wade, regardless of what Supreme Courts decide today or tomorrow, Christianity wins. You just read with me here in Daniel chapter 7 that there's one that's called the Son of Man. We now know who that is, but imagine Daniel seeing this looking ahead. We now look back on it, but he's looking forward to it, and he's told about this one who approaches the Ancient of Days, who we will know as the Father as Jesus comes to teach us, and this This one is given all authority. And notice what is said about him. He is given an everlasting dominion that will never pass away nor be destroyed. Has God's kingdom passed away? Has it been destroyed? No, that means despite what happens temporarily on earth, Jesus is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen? I want to show it to you once again, look at Matthew chapter 28, we know now who that son of man is, he's Jesus Christ, go with me to verse 17, after he's resurrected, he talks to his disciples, some worship, some doubt, now verse 18, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go to church, sit on a pew and act like you're better than everybody else, now therefore go and make disciples. How many nations? Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. From that point forward, Jesus has been on a throne after the ascension. He's been in heaven, and his kingdom has been going forth. Oftentimes, people will look at us, and they'll think we belong in a museum. They'll say, you guys, you believe these ancient things. One woman even said it to me yesterday. She said, you believe what these stone-aged goat herders believed. Well, let's get it straight. They were shepherds, (laughs) and they were mighty men and women of God. Amen. But do I believe what David the shepherd believed? Yes, I do. And should they? Absolutely. There's nothing ignorant about that. If two plus two was four and some goat herder was saying it, you still should believe it. But the world wants us to feel today that we're on shaky ground. Oh, watch out, Christians. You you got this one. The Supreme Court sided with you, but we're going to get the next one. And sometimes we may feel as Christians that we're just right on the edge, on the brink of destruction. And if we don't see Christianity in America like it was in the 50s with Billy Graham, that Jesus is just going to poof, disappear, and that it's all just hanging by a thread. No, the Bible says that God's word is established in heaven, and though even the heavens and earth can pass away, not one word of God can pass away. The Bible says that all the glories of men are like little flowers of the field that are here today and gone tomorrow, but the word of the Lord endures forever. You and I have an unshakable kingdom. It's unmoved. Nothing has moved this kingdom. I'm gonna do my best to sing a cappella. If you laugh, that's okay. But I've gotta sing it out. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something about that name. Come on. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim, Master, Savior, Jesus. Like the fragrance after the rain. And then it goes back to kings and kingdoms. They're all going to pass away. Imagine being a Christian in the first years of Christianity in Rome. Your emperor is a madman. Think about it. Nero, one of the first ones after Christianity has been started. He's burning people alive, earning the reputation of Roman candles. Impaling them on wooden telephone like poles, putting oil on them and burning them. They're raving mad everywhere you go. People are homosexual. People are transgender, or at least doing their best at that time to do so. There are religions galore. Everybody worships their own God. They have their figurines all over their houses. They're celebrating them all the time with their festivals. The entertainment of the day is to watch criminals kill each other in the arenas. Gladiator fights were real. Imagine that. And then, out of even your own faith, even the Christian faith that's so precious, being held together by the pages of scripture that are being handed down from those who are wanted by the law. Some of them, like Paul, might have already been arrested by that time. Imagine now, by night, you reading these stories and choosing whether or not to believe in them. And then out of your own group, cults begin to form. Divisions begin. These are the scriptures that we have. Go to Jude chapter 1. Please, quickly, Jude chapter 1. These are the context of our writings. The Christians, they're in a world that's against them. Their leaders are perverse. The world has gone mad, and even there's cults among them. Look at this, dear friends. Verse 3 of Jude chapter 1. Although I was eager, I was eager to write you about the salvation we share. I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith. That was once for all entrusted to God's holy people for certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have slipped in secretly among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our Lord, God, or of our God, into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign Lord. Imagine that. Would Christianity be any weaker? Because now these things were happening. Was Jesus' throne being tarnished? Was a crack happening at the foundation of heaven? Nothing was changed. Think about it. Christianity was started, counter-cultural. And the Christians had to make up their mind. I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow They had to make up their mind. Even if my family disowns me, even if they burn me alive, even if they put me into the arenas to be eaten by these lions or to be killed in these gladiator fights, I'm following Jesus. Even if there's people that are coming secretly to try to deceive me, oh, did you hear Jesus really wasn't God? We received another gospel that came from Thomas. Or did you hear about the gospel of Judas or or Mary Magdalene's gospel? These are false gospels at that time. Just watch the Da Vinci Code if you want to see the nonsense. Imagine what you might feel. You might feel like you were on the brink of the edge of everything falling apart. That Christianity could disappear in your lifetime. That it was such a fragile thing. No, looking back now, those are our heroes. Because of them, we have the scriptures today. Because of them, we have the testimony that the church could not be stopped. And can I encourage you today that should the Lord tarry, that our children and our children's children will say the same thing about us. They thought they were going to wipe out our churches. They thought they were going to burn our Bibles and take them away. They thought they would make it illegal and we would all stop worshiping. But now we're worshiping even more. Now we're filling up the stadiums. We're seeing the vision of 100,000 come to pass. Someone has to believe that. Someone had to believe. Think about that. Despite what they saw, someone had to see the Roman Empire becoming Christian. And despite all of the conspiracies around it, trust me, I know of them, it started well. Rome came to Christ in the 300s as an emperor had a vision of the cross. Look at the nations now that we're reaching. I was just uh, doing some advertising for our, our brand and things that we're doing with kingdom printing. And it's, you know, a few bucks, 20 bucks, $15 we put out with ads and our gear. We want the word to get out. We want to support, uh, you know, people across the country to be able to have the things that they need for their street gear to go out there and preach. But I forgot to change the city. For whatever reason, the default location was Sierra Leone. So I put in about $20 of advertising to Sierra Leone. When was the last time you even thought about them? Uh, Sadly, I don't think about them much, though I'm sure that they're precious people. And all of a sudden, sister, I began to see the post explode. It goes viral. It has over 3,000 likes. So I go to check out what is going on here. And I'm looking at all the names. Some are Muslim. Some are uh, of what I would think of African descent. Go and put that post up here for us, please, from Kingdom Printing. And I went back to look at the advertisement. And sure enough, there it was. I just advertised in Sierra Leone. But how many know what the word Leone means? Lion. Come on. I think, God was, I think God was up to something. I didn't come up with it. Somebody pointed that out to me. And in this precious African nation, they were supporting what God was doing. So I began to do some research. Listen, I began to do some research about these precious people in their faith. And I began to realize, sadly, it's a majority Muslim nation. And so I'm sure they suffer for their faith there. But now 20% are Christian. You see, you and I don't even know what's going on around the world. God is moving in Sierra Leone. We're, we're thinking, oh, this could all go away. No, it's only going to get stronger. Yes, nations may come and go. That may be true. Thank you, sir. Uh, go to the one on kingdom printing. Nancy, help him, please. Kingdom printing, that's the one I reshared. Yes there may be darker days ahead for America, but what if the greatest days for Sierra Leone are ahead? Are you going to be, come on, let's be honest, are you going to be so ethnocentric to be down in the dumps because of what happens in America that you won't celebrate with Sierra Leone or Uganda or China one of the fastest growing places right now of the churches in Iran. Thank you, sir. Look at this right here. 3,000 others. And go here to the comments now. I was just so blessed by these comments here. Go down. I'm trying to be a little cool there. Hit comments for me, please. Look at this brother. Outstanding. Hallelujah. Bless this man right here. Zanga Zanda. Look at this. <laughs> I don't know him. I'm not even trying to be funny. How do you say his name? Zanda, 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 Zanda. Come on, praise God. Look at this. Good, good. Awesome. Yes. Let's pray for one of these brothers. Click on Alex Abraham. Let's look at one of these brothers from Sierra Leone. Lord, I pray for this man right now to know and love you and to experience you in ways that he never has before, as well as everyone who touched the like button to show support for what you are doing, God. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. How many know God is building His kingdom? God is winning. What an exciting time to be alive. And I still believe for revival in America. I want to see 3,000 people like a post like that from Chicago. Amen? God can do it. Turn with me to Isaiah 9, 6. I don't want to preach much longer because you guys had to endure the first part of that message. But I do want to encourage you just a little bit longer with this if I could. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. It's a popular Christmas time verse. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. But notice these next words here. And the government will be on his shoulder. Notice it doesn't say government's. Because there's only one government of heaven. There's only one kingdom of heaven. It's not kingdoms, amen? And the government will be on his shoulders. How many know he's got the shoulders for the job? He's got the shoulders to bear the burden. He will carry the government on his shoulders in Jesus' name. And there is no devil in hell that can stop him. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. This is my king, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. There will be no end. Hallelujah. Africa shall be saved. North and South America shall be saved. The islands shall be saved. Southeast Asia shall be saved. Russia and Siberia shall be saved. Europe shall be saved. The Middle East shall be saved. Hallelujah. Even those in Antarctica will get saved. There will be no end. Brother or sister, when you feel discouraged preaching the gospel, would you take a moment to rejoice in a government that never ends? When you feel tired and discouraged because they haven't listened to you or a family member has disowned you or a job has fired you, would you take moments to give the king of kings the glory he deserves? Because there's no end. There's no stopping it. And if we have to get sassy, we'll get sassy with it. We don't die, we multiply. We'll see you, hallelujah, at the end of this. We win in the end. And I don't mean it to be uh, disrespectful to anybody, but those kingdoms will all come and go and our kingdom will still be here. So come into the kingdom. That's why we say be born again, to enter the kingdom. We don't want them to be excluded. We want them to come in. But if you mess with him, go to Psalm 2. If you mess with him, he is a a terrible and terrifying king to mess with. It will not go good with you. Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? Why do they think they can do this and and succeed? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together. I believe this is speaking towards the book of Revelation. When the Antichrist makes his stand, they're going to try to all rise up and go against God. I never. I want to be 100% transparent with, with you. I've always believed it, but I've never seen it like I see it now. I knew there would be a mark coming, but I never knew that decent people could turn on their neighbors so fast without a vaccine, and I could only imagine what they're going to do if you don't have a mark. I am not anti-vaccine. I'm just telling you I never realized how fast people could become sociopaths. There's a whole book that is written about every dictator and how they transformed a generation in their lifetime to look at the enemy as less than human. How Stalin did it, how Germany did it, Mao Zedong did it, and it can happen within a short amount of time. Within a few years, you can look at somebody that was once your neighbor. You walked dogs with, you played, their children, your children played together, and you can be handing them over to a box car to go to a, ga- a gas chamber. Come on. I never saw it until I saw it. I couldn't, I couldn't believe that people were even saying about us, if you don't have the vaccine, you deserve to die. People that could still keep their jobs, but they wanted us to lose ours. And I have nothing against the vaccine. I'm, I'm just telling you, I couldn't believe how fast they turned. Even with the BLM and the riots and all of that, even people of color getting persecuted by other people of color because they didn't side with their movement. I remember watching one businessman in Minneapolis cry, a black businessman, cry over the business that he was going to start. And the rioters didn't stop even though he told them, I'm a black business owner. The world can go mad within moments. But Jesus is still in charge, amen? They're going to try to band together, but they won't make it. Jesus says, uh, the word says, let us band together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, let's break off their chains, throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Zion is coming. And he said, ask me. The father said, the father said to the Son, ask me, and I will make the, inherit, uh, the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. How many know even relating to the point, points that we brought up at the beginning, sending out of the 72 and the Lord uh, Jesus teaching us to pray for the harvest is a part of that, asking for the nations. How many know the great commission is the great mercy of God before the great day of wrath? I'm going to say it again. The great commission is a great mercy until the great wrath comes. The great commission is Jesus saying everyone can come. There's room enough for you. There's room enough for you. There's room enough for your family. There's room enough for your friends. Quickly now, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and onwards, we see the Our Father prayer. We call it the Lord's prayer, but his is really found in John 17. This is the prayer that we learn to pray. It's the disciples' prayer, is it not? It's our prayer. He's teaching us how to pray. We asked him, or in other words, the disciples asked him, how should we pray? And then this is how he taught us to pray. When you want to hear how he prayed, he talked to the Father in John 17, as his, not only as his Father, but as his friend and as his equal, who he shared glory with. Isn't that a precious prayer? And we cannot pray that exactly the same way. Glorify me, Father, with the glory that I had with you before the earth began. That's really the Lord's prayer, is it not? But our prayer says, forgive me of my trespasses as I forgive those that have trespassed against me because we know Jesus didn't sin. But notice what he says here right at the beginning as he teaches us to pray. And can I just encourage you to pray like this daily? I know we shouldn't pray prayers out of repetition, mindlessly thinking God will hear us because of that repetition. But can I encourage you to memorize this and to pray it from your heart and look at it as a spiritual workout? And I always remember it in the King James, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you pray that every day of your life? Because the kingdom of God is coming. With or without you, it's coming. Oftentimes, Bible study leaders here, you you could think to yourself, Man, if I don't get out the gospel right here, if it doesn't happen, everything is lost. And that's not true. God has backups on backups on backups. Can I tell you what I am for Chicago? A backup. Oh yes, I'm sorry to say it. I'm like I told you, I'm not much of a narcissist. So if they call me one, I'm not a good one. I'm a backup. This was not supposed to be the plan. I was supposed to stay in New Orleans, but God called me to Chicago. And you know, when I got here, I didn't understand it. I tried to leave. I did after I worked at a short, at a as a youth pastor for a short time. But God told me to stay. And it wasn't only. It wasn't until that time of COVID that the Lord told me why I stayed in Chicago. Because there were few that were willing to stand up to the government and to stand up to a liberal mayor into the city that wanted to go to hell in a handbasket. God shared with me at that time that people had dug the, into the ground their talents, but He was. Going going to give it to someone that was going to put it to work. So I'm sorry I may not be the Chicago pastor that grew up going to Johnny's and I have stories at the Cubs and my dad's over here. Oh my friend, I grew up in the cornfields of Indiana but when the Lord called my name I came in Jesus' name and now I wouldn't trade it for anything else because in 5405 West Diversity, the kingdom of God is coming and the will of God is being done and if he commanded us to love Chicago, I I'm going to be out there Thursday. I'm going to be out there Friday and Saturday telling them that Jesus loves them as a plan for their life. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Be born again. Hallelujah. Will anybody join me? Quickly in closing, Hebrews chapter 5 verse 11. How many will come with me? We win. Don't be discouraged. I've been there. Hurt feelings. People leave you. They hurt you. They, they, they turn their back on you. But you know what? God's kingdom is going forward and the gates of hell shall not prevail. You need to get it in your heart today that the world is evil. That's why they don't like you. Jesus said, if you were of the world, they would love you, but since you're not, they hate you just like they hate me. He said, in the end times, all will hate you, and they'll think they're even doing God a favor. Do you remember the woman that we talked about the other day, Brother Chasen, that we met at Boricua Fest, and it got a little bit spicy out there, and then she wrote us, remember that? Well, I found another message to us that she had actually sent privately. It happened uh, just a few weeks ago, so a few weeks afterward, I find this now message, and I say to her, Dear friend, I think we're not getting off on the right foot here. You have a different understanding of the events. She is a lesbian and was proud of it. And so the sisters, like Isa and others, Isa, right? How, you, you pronounce your name, Isa? Yeah. Thank you. Isa and Juan and others were preaching to her. And then she got really offended, and the son went, went, went a little bit there, but we won't talk about that. So I saw that. Message and I wanted to clarify, so I I went through it and I wanted to make sure that you know, hey, maybe maybe you got a little bit hype, you know, it was the festival that didn't go well. Maybe you got a little bit hype, uh, uh, you know, with everybody on the on the post because she came under one of our video feeds. So maybe we can try it here and see how it can be. Everybody, say, help us, Lord. I'm gonna tell you what she wrote back to me. Are you ready? Satan energizes and gives shape to worldly value systems, institutions, organizations, philosophical movements, political, social, and economic systems. He also sets up goals and then utilizes and exploits the most effective means while avoiding all obstacles to reach his diabolical ends. Pretty deep. Yeah, it's like, what? Well, it's pretty deep. But then here's what she says. Satan is surely working through you. Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Back into the pits of hell in which you derived. The blood of Jesus is against you, and no weapons formed against me as a lesbian, and my son shall prosper. The devil is defeated in every realm. Man of God, preachers sometimes lie, so you make sure I'm not lying. Be a witness. Take your time. Scroll through it. I trust him as a man, not to divulge her personal name. A woman who was a lesbian called me Satan. And told me to get behind her in Jesus' name. The kingdom of God must overcome all opposition. And part of the opposition is going to be false believers. Can you testify? I said, I told, I said the truth. Everything in context, correct? All right. Praise God. And we still pray for her in Jesus' name. Your battle for the kingdom of God to come... It's going to be discerning. Here it is. It's going to get deep. You all ready to get deep? Somebody say, deep. Good and evil. That's what it's going to come to. Because if you are not careful, and I'm not careful, because one of my favorite preachers, Carlton Pearson, went this way. We can all of a sudden turn from the things of the gospel and turn towards the things of Satan and think we're actually building the kingdom of God. But instead, we're building the kingdom of Satan. She thinks she's building the kingdom of God. But she's really building the kingdom of what? Satan. But she thinks, right? She thinks she's building the kingdom of God. How did that subtlety happen? Someone must not have taught her correctly, or she chose to be deceived. Some are deceived by accident. Some are deceived on purpose. Some are dumb on accident. Some are dumb on Purpose. Come on, somebody. And here's my, my words to us. We have much to say about this and the things that he was talking about, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. You see, the kingdom of God comes in righteousness, peace, and joy. He is a king of righteousness, amen? He is a priest of righteousness as well. Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves, and please highlight this, have trained themselves to distinguish what? Good from Evil, Daryl, would you come, please, in closing? Thank you for your patience today, second service. The kingdom of God is an everlasting kingdom. It cannot be stopped. It is established upon Jesus Christ himself, and it has no end. His shoulders can bear the government, and he will bring this government to this nation in Jesus' name. Amen? And for us to be a part of it, for us to be on the right side of history, we must know good from evil. Otherwise, you will think, and I can think, because I've seen it happen to pastors, that you're building God's kingdom when you're really going against his kingdom. Lord, I ask for you to help us right now to discern good from evil. I just felt like lightning go right through me just in this moment right now. I just felt like lightning go right through me that the Lord is telling me he's been dealing with some of you. But you've been resisting good from evil. You've been resisting it. And today you need to humble yourself, you need to confess, and you need to start being honest with God today. Some of you are, I don't even need to go to the streets to preach right now to some that are lost. Some of you are in this room, I just felt it like a lightning bolt go right through me as I was getting ready to say the next thing. Some of you right now, you're lost because you don't know how to discern good from evil. And I'm praying for you right now, even before the band and altar workers come. No one's trying to embarrass you or call you out, though in just a few moments on your own, you can come if you want. But I just want to pray for you because some of you right now, you're being deceived. May the Lord guard you and keep you right now. May your eyes be open in Jesus' name. Satan, we bind you right now, even over the lives of those in this church who are making bad decisions and trying to cover it up and call it good who are believing things they ought not to believe, and they're trying to call it sound doctrine. Oh Lord, would you expose the lies of the enemy as a mercy right now, oh God. Would you pray for me, saints, just for a few moments? It may only be one, it may be a hundred, I don't know how many we have in here that need us to pray, but would you pray with me if you feel moved? Maybe you may not feel it like I do, but would you just follow me as I follow Jesus right now? I felt that just like lightning in my heart. Father, right now, Lord, we pray for mercy. We pray for mercy. Open their heart. Open their eyes. Let them see what you call good is really good. Some of you are calling what God calls good. You're calling it evil. You're calling it harsh. You're calling it mean, and you're not receiving it. And the Lord wants me to tell you, you're not ever going to be blessed by that. You have to call good what he calls good. That's how you serve a king. Hallelujah and some of you are calling good what is evil? It's not good. In the name of Jesus. if you're doing something that is evil, stop calling it good. You're, some of you are saying, well, I can't change where I can't I can't stop. that is a lie. Every sinner here can testify how Jesus has made us into saints it was not by our strength but it was by his strength. Everyone would tell you that. No one here that's a true Christian today and was once a sinner will take credit for what God did in their heart. So anyone here calling the evil they're doing good, I am praying for you right now. Stop that excuse in Jesus' name. Lord, before we go preach to others, preach in this house to us. Preach in this house to us. I've seen youth workers sin. I've seen elders in my church. It doesn't matter what position you're in. Please hear this as the love of God warning you to stop right now. You're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. Just a few moments, and then we'll move to the next portion, but I felt that we had to stop here. In the name of Jesus, I pray for my family. I pray for my children. I pray for every precious person here and their family and their children, Lord that you will keep us from being deceived in these latter days as we build your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you stand up with me, give it up for Jesus building his kingdom today? Amen, we bless the Lord. Band and altar workers, would you come please? I don't want to keep you longer. I know today's been a long day for some of you, so once again, I apologize, and I will try to do better. I mean that. These altar workers are going to be up here to pray with you, to counsel, to encourage you. If there's anything that as a maybe as a Christian you need or even if you want to start a Christian journey today, you can by asking Jesus into your heart, praying for forgiveness. But I want to say this before we go because the next time I'll see most of you is Thursday. Is that if there's anyone here today that is willing to go... To the streets but you're not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues this is a key to our belief here as Pentecostals we relate to the day of Pentecost as the day God poured out his spirit and empowered us and gave us the sign of other languages tongues as we call it languages to go out and be his witnesses So I want to make sure that there's no one here that feels like we're asking you to do something that we haven't prayed for you to be empowered to do. Father, I ask you now, if anyone here is not baptized in the Holy Spirit, that you empower them, encourage them, and strengthen them right now in the name of Jesus. A few moments, and then we'll leave. If anyone wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, even before these altar workers pray for you, I'll pray for you right now. Be filled. Be filled with the power of the Spirit right now. Those of you already baptized in the Holy Spirit, you may speak in other tongues as the Lord gives you utterance to encourage them. Those who have never spoken in other tongues, may the Lord encourage you to do so. And then now, if you want to come for prayer for that, you can but even before a person lays their hands on you, no man gets the credit. God does. God does. Power, power, power of the Holy Spirit. Fuego. Fuego de Dios. En el nombre de Jesús. En esta casa. Ahora. Ahora. Fuego. Fuego. Fire. 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 May every weapon of the enemy be broken. May all timidity and fear go. He has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind for self-discipline. Fire. Fire on this church, on everyone's life, from head to toe. Hallelujah. Rivers. Rivers of living water. Fire of the Holy Ghost. Jesus. Jesus, I pray for a mighty army to rise up, God. I pray for those, God, who you've called here who will overlook offense and be set on fire, oh God. I pray, oh Lord, that they won't disappoint, that they won't be ashamed, but that, God, they will be honorable, that they will be rewarded, that there will be glory upon their lives, oh God. Bring about greatness, God. Bring about greatness. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you have maybe heard as we keep praying. Please keep praying up here. Do not stop. And those who are worshiping, being led of the Spirit, feel free to keep going. But those who can't hear me, some of us have been taught in Christianity that we're, you know, that we're all going to get the same rewards in heaven and, you know, that it really doesn't matter what you do just as long as you believe in God and, you know, and, and you know, there, no one is going to feel embarrassed on judgment day because we're all going to run up to Poppy, to Papa, you know, run up to him and sit on his lap. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says on judgment day Some are going to be tested by fire and all that's going to remain is their salvation. (laughs) Holy Spirit, keep moving. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. tested by fire. Nancy, would you please find that scripture? It's somewhere in Corinthians. I can't find it. I want to read it out. That everybody's works are going to be tested by fire. Lord, help me to find this precious scripture. And that only what we do for Christ will remain. Corinthians chapter 3. Would you put it up there, please, before we leave? Thank you. Look at what it says. It says, hallelujah. It says in verse 12, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light." It will be revealed with fire. Somebody say, tested with fire. Thank you. Tested with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's works. This is not socialism. On judgment day, we are all not getting the same rewards. You're going to be tested by fire, Isaiah. And God is going to test you bringing those six young men. He brought six young men last week. Can we give it up for Isaiah? Praise God. Praise God. And God is going to test that. Did you do it because you were bored and you wanted some more young people to come with you? Or did you do it for God? And then God's going to give you a reward for that. And then God's going to look at us and say, why didn't we bring six friends? And if we did our best, then God will understand, right? But our works are going to be tested by fire. And look at what it says. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet be saved even though as one escaping through the flames. So you can be saved and escape through the flames, but not have your rewards with you. So just in closing, for, the, for those here today that if I don't see you again, listen to me, why be mad with me for helping you be ready for the day your, your works are tested? why not be upset with those churches that keep telling you the same old same old every week how many more bible studies do you need to go to before you go win a lost soul one of our newest has already brought six how many more conferences do you need to go to how many more of these things do we have to keep doing before we wake up and get out there and preach the gospel rewards are to win i want to win a reward hallelujah he told the parable of the stewards. And he said the one who had none but buried it had it taken from him. But the one who multiplied it, Miss Chalet, hallelujah, multiplied it, got even more, hallelujah. And I pray for children upon children to come, not only yours but their friends and the community, to know and love Jesus because of what you give and what we do. Father, I pray for us this week that you'll bless us and keep us, God, for heaven's sake and for our reward's sake. Let us be fruitful and multiply. You told us to do it. You said your kingdom is coming and nobody can stop it. So what do we have to lose? We have heaven to gain and hell to shun. Hallelujah. And I pray that the gospel will go forth this week in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Bless the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Gloria a Dios. You are dismissed second service. Thank you for your time today. Hang out for the after party. Thank you, band. Thank you, sound guys. Thank you. Have a wonderful week. I'll see you Thursday. Hallelujah.